Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Knife Talk podcast. Uh, this is where we talk knives. It's, I mean, it's in the name, right? We we answer your questions. We uh, we try to help as best as we can. We also sometimes like to be not very helpful or give each other a hard time or other people as well. I'm Marco Ma'au. What the heck? I'm like cracking up on my own. <laughs> it's the, the age is getting to you. Turning it's already, 50 has changed it's, you. Oh, it's already hitting <laughs> yeah. me. I'm Marco Malmasi, Malmasi Fire Arts. I'm a one year older now, and I don't know if it makes me wiser or not, but I'm here with Craig Lockwood, the captain of the ship, and Mr. Jeff Fader, our senior advisor. <laughs> How do you guys been? How's the last week been? Well, we were good. How was your birthday been? Let's start with that. It was a busy, busy weekend. Um... What the hell? Yeah, there's just a lot going on between me doing the knife sharpening uh, market and having family in town, and going up to uh, going up to the island for family vacation time slash birthday stuff and other extended family birthday party shit and hanging out with friends and and still trying to get shit done in the shop. Uh, mm. It was very busy, uh, but good. Yeah. Good, good, yeah. good. You enjoyed yourself. It's yeah. very nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. We missed you last week. We really did. Really? Yeah. We did. Well, this is a <laughs> fucking three-person podcast. <laughs> I promise you. I mean, it's a three-person podcast. I mean, you know, you're 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 needed. The tripod. Yeah. It's a tripod. Yeah. Well, d- we needed somebody to keep Jeff in line last week because he got a bit out of hand. Actually, oh, a bit out of hand. And we've got a new slogan apparently. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't get that out of hand, but I mean, you know, person needed help, but. Sometimes on a podcast, you have to say things that aren't, you know, standard. You have to say, you have to be a little nuanced. So I got a little nuance to this fucking guy. <laughs> and the listeners, the listeners enjoyed the nuance. And we can talk about that in listener feedback. So, yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Jeff, how was your week? I understand you went to a, a restaurant opening last night. I did go to, a friend of mine was opening a restaurant and they needed, they wanted uh, a small table of people to try the food. So I got to try the food last night, which was fun. And, that was I. Every so often, this guy opens restaurants up and he calls me up, and that's always a pleasure. And then I and then I get to bring some food home for the family, and they always like that. So we had a good time with that and a couple. Of- whoa, whoa, whoa! How 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 does that work? Go to a restaurant <laughs> and you end up bringing food home? No, because we don't eat every. I mean, they, the the kitchen they were testing rest, testing recipes. Uh, okay, so they're so bringing, bringing out okay, like family else. style plates of food for all of us to try and and Gosh, talk yeah, about yeah. and see what we thought and. There was all this extra, so oh, I, interesting. So it was like almost kind of like a critique group. Well, I mean, that's what these guys do. I mean, you don't just, you know, you. It's nice to have a little feedback on the food. So I, thought I have that's a couple what soft openings were. Well, I mean, this is not that. This is that oh, yeah. soft openings are usually for service. Soft openings are to get the service down and the food down and your servers and the 
work out the point of sale systems and all that. This was like I got you. The the chef wanted to try some food out, and the owner was like grabbed a couple people, and we, it's fun when we do that. And it's a it's a group of guys that I know, and you know some chefs were there, and we 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 had a good time. So is it your peeps over at Finn and Brew? It was out of the Finn and Brew kitchen. But it was not. It was not the chef. Not Mike Anastasio cooking. It was a new chef who was kind of trying to get. They were trying to get the kitchen open. It, it's honestly, it was fine. Um, yeah. And then so uh, occasionally, I, when I'm eating food, I'll send Jeff a picture for some critique too, which we did yesterday. I think just before he went to the restaurant. Uh, you ate. Um, you ate quite a fucking gut bomb, dude. I don't know how you're standing <laughs> up. You. I can't believe you don't have gout. Be honest. With you. Oh, go ahead. That's the goal. The gout is the goal. I'm telling you. So, just, just was it a salt lake? People, what was it? I mean, it, it, might as well. It was. It was a burger, but it was quite a special burger. So it was a burger in a croissant. Okay. Um, with the, the runniest cheese coming out of it, and like Serrano ham fried on top. Wow. It was. It was a very, very good burger. And I thought. I think Jeff needs to see this because he's got this thing about <laughs> this mixture of food and even cheese with beef. I know. No, I like a cheeseburger. Off. Cheeseburgers are great. Okay, but this was special. This was smart. And just how you want a burger to be, right. you know, dirty oh. and greasy. That's, you know, yeah. that's... You don't want to feel like job. you want to go visit the morgue afterwards. I mean, <laughs> you want to feel like you want to feel like that was great. Let's go for a walk. You don't want to feel like, you know, yeah. call the ambulance. So anyway, so, so I passed on your critique to the chef, and I'm now banned. So no. I'll <laughs> there again. Right. Well, as you should be. I, I think my critique was, Jesus Christ, what's the matter with you? <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's, not enough. that's what that's that's what Mama Cass at before she had a that's heart attack. That's what I wrote. Yeah, said. I said that's what Mama Cass ate before she died. <laughs> <laughs> that's a old one, but, uh, but it yeah, was it was, it was it a was good, good week. I, I went to uh, I went to visit some more colleges with my kid, and that was a lot of fun. I do have a story that we can save for the after show, but uh, in in terms of the shop, I got a new fucking thing. I am all in on the tile saw. I got a wet saw. Mm, we got a, told you so. August was a fucking good month, so I got a couple things, and I saw that uh, they had this uh, wet tile saw, and it had a, a moving sled. So it's not only are you pushing it, but you have like a little sled to help push along. Oh, I use it for the G10. One. I heard. Uh, I actually, I think I, I think I heard from it from Aaron Goff. And if Aaron Goff says something, I mean, you listen. He, he ain't one of them cuckoos, you know. He, he, he's given the, he's given the real dope. He didn't give any of that bullshit. So I got one and I filled it with water. I put it together, and I was kind of stupefied. To be honest, there was no dust whatsoever. There was no odor of G10. It cut great, but what was interesting is the type of tile saws, the saw blade itself isn't like a toothed saw. So it has like diamond or whatever the hell it has on it. But there's abrasive on the first quarter of an inch along the sides. So it kind of even polishes the sides. So you get, like if you're cutting G10 with a regular table saw, the teeth wear. And if the teeth wear, you might not be getting the most cleanest edge. And for me, because I'm doing these kind of like stack ups that are, you know, I want crispy edges, the tile saw really made a very, very clean square edge, which was great. And there was no, there was a little water, but it wasn't all, that wasn't crazy. And there was no dust, zero fumes, no burnt, there wasn't burned edges. There was no, like I said, no dust, no fumes. It was awesome. And now, so that, the tile saw, the wet tile saw, is now the way we're going to be cutting uh, G10, which I'm psyched. Because also, 
when I usually cut G10 on a table saw, I got to roll up the doors and I got to put the respirator on and I don't, I don't want to, I got to put fans on so it's blowing out everything out of the, keeping everything out of the shop. So now I don't, I can do it in the winter time. I can, you know, nice. I, I can keep the Clean. doors closed yeah. and it's just, everything about it is so much better. And I'm on, I got some messages from some I put it on my stories and I got some messages from people saying that the blades should last a lot longer because I guess ceramics are much more um, wear resistant on a blade than uh, yeah G10, so I've, it should last for a long I've never time. Changed the, I've never changed the blade on mine, hmm. and I've, I must have done thousands of cuts. So yeah, I mean it's not it's exactly. I mean if you were, it's not if you compare a sharp table saw blade to a wet saw blade in terms of how fast it cuts. I'm sure that the yeah. sharp table saw blade goes faster, but like I couldn't get over how good of a cut it was and how much less I'm going to have to breathe. So, yeah. I wonder if you could yep. set up like some sort of counterweighted uh kind of cuz you got the sled, so some sort of counterweights that kind of just gently pull the sled into the blade while you go do other shit. I don't think I want to I mean, you want to do that. I don't so think you I guys did. All right, so you guys are doing your water sports stuff. What else? What else you been up to? <laughs> wow. I mean, water sports stuff is that's a lot of connotations too. I mean, if we're going down that road, I know. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, I mean that was that that was my tip. I mean, I was my tip of the tip of the day here. The tile saw is fucking awesome for G10, and then uh, I finished off some uh, Tiger Bar pairing knives, and those are out the door. And uh, I got a big week coming up, and then I'm going to the Center for Mental Arts next week. For the friction folder class, so I'm excited about that. And then, uh, then uh, yeah, it's busy. Everything's busy. It's good. Nice, nice. Okay, how are you, Craig? Um, I'm very good. I'm very relaxed. Last week I had a bit of a head on me because I was a little bit hungover because right. uh, we did a Saturday afternoon show and the Friday was there was a bit of drinking going on. So I'm, I've got clean head today. I'm all good. Um, very relaxed actually. I had we had a night out with my wife last night oh, for boy. the first time since the baby has been born. So. Yeah, it was nice. We just went somewhere local for food, had a few drinks, went to the cinema, and it was just it was just nice just to relax a bit, you know, and, and breathe easy. So it was good. It was really good. And today we had, you know, band rehearsal. So it's been it's been a, swimming with the kids this morning. So it's, it's been a busy busy day, but um, lovely, relaxing, relaxing. I said a couple of weeks ago, the last time I went to the UK, I had a meeting um, with a restaurant that I was hoping to work with, um, and that's all panned out. Um, so that has started as well, which is nice. Um, so yeah, it's been a really nice week, really nice week, and it feels as if it's the end of the summer. The kids go back to school uh, this week on Thursday. Oh wow! My wife goes back to work the following Monday, which she's full of dread about. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it feels as if normality is 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 happening again, and yeah, all very positive. So I'm, I'm very happy. That's good. Very happy. Mm. Nice. All good. How's the butter knife situation going? Um, the butter knife is good. Is good. I said an order has been put in um, for some laser cutting. Um, it's good. I really like the the design. Super, super simple and elegant. Um, but they're going to be pretty low cost because um, the way it's being the way it's being made. Um, it's gonna, yeah. It's going to be a sort of gentle introduction back to me selling knives again for the first time in a long time. So yeah, it's it's all good. Everything's everything's positive and calm and 
how it should be. We got a lot of be. nice best feedback. We got a lot of nice listener feedback about your butter knife too. So really, and then not to mention, did we have su- did we have suggested names? No suggested names, but it was a lot of like talking about last week. We we're talking about heat treatment versus not heat treatment. So that there's yes. a lot of interesting feedback from listeners. There was also let's let's ask Morocco on that. We'll, we'll okay. go back to that in a sec. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go on. I was just going to say in terms of listener feedback too. I went to a Yankee. I went to see the Yankee Mets game. And it was, without question, of all the baseball games I've ever seen in my entire life, it was the most exciting game I'd ever seen in my life. It was amazing. What I did get a lot of messages from, apparently there's this video going around from this guy in Yankee Stadium who took a hot dog, he stuck a straw in it, made a hole, and stuck it in a cup of beer, <laughs> and, used, and used the, the, the glizzy as a straw. And everyone seemed <laughs> to think that that's what I was going to do. And I, I have to say... It's a disgrace, but what's more of a disgrace <laughs> is the fact that people think that these are all real videos. None of these videos, all these videos, there's a million of videos of people being, I'm putting air quotes up, caught, caught in the act of doing something oh, weird yeah, at, oh, at yes. a stadium. Yeah. The funny part was is every time, every time in between innings, they put people in the crowd up on the, on the Jumbotron, and yeah. every single time everyone tries to get their camera up so they can take a picture of them on the jumbotron no one ever makes mm. it and by the time yeah. they get their camera going it's, it's <laughs> a switch so all yeah. these videos of guys like you know using a hot dog as a straw drinking beer it's all fake it's all they're all fake yeah. videos and it's and everyone's sending me messages this is jeff over at the yankee game and sucking on a gl- <laughs> i did have a glizzy by the way and my kid and i both had hot dogs and we both agreed <laughs> that hot dogs are the fucking best but they're the best yes. when you only have one one a year so we, uh, we partook, but there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of good listener feedback in regards to all that. Okay, okay, Morocco, we got a question for you. Oh boy! So we talked. Long, I don't know if you listened to last week's show. Probably not. You've had a busy week. I was busy. Um, so you didn't listen. Okay, we get you. We get you. <laughs> so um, I, my, I, I was busy brother. laying next to the lake. Is what I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, what I was busy, busy doing. doing nothing, <laughs> drinking too I much. Had my, <laughs> I had my brother here, and I was shown him around the workshop, and I was shown him the next sort of model that I'm doing, and it's just a butter knife. And he was saying, well, how is that made? So I was explaining how it's made and, you know, the even heat and all the rest of it. Um, and he said, well, why do you heat treat knives? Why do you make them hot and all the rest of it? And I said, well, so you can cut an edge. It'll, um, it'll keep an edge. And he was like, well, if this is a butter knife, it's not going to have an edge, surely. And I said, no. He said, well, why are you heat treating it? And I was like, oh, yeah, why am I? I said, I am, just because it's something that I always do. Um but it, the question came up, and it was just, oh, yeah, why am I? So that we're going to put the question to you. You're making a butter knife. Um, do you heat treat it? stainless. Do you heat treat it? 100%. Okay. What's your reasoning? Okay. Reasoning is for springiness. I mean, obviously, you'd have to do, a, like, a spring temper on it. But I, I would mm-hmm. for toughness of the tool because people are fucking stupid. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> and how easy, like, a, a, a soft piece of steel is to bend is not which I would want in my butter knife. And, and actually, it kind of annoys me sometimes in butter knives because um, especially when I'm spreading that butter on, like I really want that spring return, you know? <laughs> so, hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I And, and also, I don't know. For derp, I, I just feel like soft metal isn't necessarily the most ideal, um, even though I think probably most butter knives are just just stamped out and no heat treatment yeah. i don't know this is a high yeah. performance tool isn't it i mean come it's on a this, high is a, tool. this is a step above so i mean i'm i'm heat it potentially these, could take an edge i think that's, yeah. that's a sales point right there 
I am heat treating them, but I was wondering also whether the heat treat would have anything to do with regard to the stain resistance as well. Are they in better shape for being heat treated, if you know what I mean? Um, actually, potentially, if you do the heat treating too, uh, like if, if you spend too much time at high temperatures, uh, the carbides that are in the steel um, or, or like the alloying elements, they get sometimes they can get tied up with the carbon and when the carbon gets latched onto those uh, like the chromium especially then that chromium isn't free to do its job as a stain resisting element oh, okay. Um, okay. so potentially if they're poorly heat treated um, that can work against you in that way okay and one more very important question but that would be actually. like really dramatic long period of time at high temperatures and which yes it would, so it'd be a horrible heat treat anyways <laughs> Okay, okay. Last final question, which is very important. How much butter do you eat a week? Oh, interesting question. I don't know. A whole pack? Two packs? Three packs? Half a pack? <laughs> I, I, have no, I don't do a butter tally, honestly. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Don't ask me about my butter. <laughs> I mean, I'll say, so if I'm going to fry up a couple eggs, I'll put probably, you know, like whatever, uh, maybe a a knob. tablespoon? Yeah, not no. I don't know about a knob. What's a knob? Is that a tablespoon? Tablespoon. Of butter? Yeah. Tablespoon. yeah, yeah. I'll probably throw that into the pan. That's the size, th- that's the size of Lockwood's dick, is what he's saying. Yeah. Knob. Well, uh, funny enough, a knob is yeah. yeah, it's a British term for a dick. Funny enough, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. That okay, we were just wondering because it was the question asked for me last week. Okay, no worries. Okay, let's do some listener feedback then. Okay. What have we got, Jeff? Uh, is this sponsored by anybody, or we're having such a good time? Well, being as we're talking about heat treating, we might as well get this one sponsored. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat. That will take you to Soul Ceramics, who are a fantastic distributor of Even Heats. They've got some built, ready to go. So go there, knifetalk.net forward slash heat. You'll automatically get $75 off and free shipping in the U.S. So do yourself a favor. Knifetalk.net forward slash heat. That link is down in the description of the show, too. I, so, I, can I follow up our uh, heat treat potential issues real quick with sure. the stainless? Yes. So that is also potentially one of the problems with forging stainless is because you have to keep it at high temperatures for a really long time to mm. move that material around. Um, po- uh, what is it? Like powdered metallurgical steels are better for forging, but still... Um, I mean, forging stainless in the first place is a huge pain in the ass. Uh, but with more conventionally, like, crucible-formed uh, stainless that are then rolled out, like maybe an AEBL or something like that, or 154CM, um, those those steels start as billets. And so going through the milling process to roll those giant billets down, they're crushing down those carbides to redisperse the carbon throughout the material so that when, you, when it gets down to a plate shape, somebody cuts out a knife and does a heat treat everything's like kind of where it's supposed to be for a heat treat but then you start forging on that material that carbon at the high temperature for the amount of time that you're forging that carbon's allowed to start moving around and starts tying up those chromium especially the chromium um Mm. in the steel in the steel that could potentially lead to the steel being a lot less uh, I guess functional as a stainless steel than it maybe would have if you had just done a simple uh, like stock remove or not simple but you know stock removing the knife versus taking you know spending an hour and a half forging a stainless steel knife. Hmm. Yeah, you do want to forge 
Damascus stainless steel, you might as well just buy Dharma Steel. DharmaSteel.se. Um, they are Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram. Go take a look at some of the beautiful stuff people are making. Um, not just knife makers, jewelry makers, everything. If you're looking for some high end uh, Damascus, um, which is stainless, um, Dharma Steel is the place to go. And remember, kids. They also sell pants. Um, use not <laughs> use use knife talk. Use knife talk when you when you set up your account as a promo code, and you get ten percent off your order. But either steel or pants. Okay, sorry, Jeff. No, <laughs> I was that was a, quite a, that was quite an interlude, by the way. Um, in terms of knife talk listener feedback, there was a, a number of a couple of butter knife. Feedback. Butter knife feedback. This one comes from Alpha mm. Knife Works. He says, don't know if this will help Craig decide on the heat treatment or not, but Alex Pohl makes a butter knife out of either 304 or 316 stainless. Uh, that's not hardened. Can't remember which. 304 is also one of the cheaper steels. It might as well save a little bit more money on materials as well. I've got one of those knives from, from Alex. Yes, they're very nice. Ronald Knives says, Hey guys, just started listening to the latest podcast and heard Craig talk about whether to harden his butter knives. One thing to consider is making that de- in making that decision is the lattice structure of the steel and the alloying elements changing during the heat treat process. And with most knife making steels, that change has a significant impact on the rust resistance of the steel. Uh, I'm, mm. sure we all, I'm sure we all have had bars of stainless in our workspace. With surface rust, which wouldn't have appeared on a finished stainless knife in the same environment. I sell heaps of steel at work, and, quote, why is my stainless steel stock getting rust on it? And quote, is a very frequent question I have from customers. So, right oh, on board okay. with what Mareka was saying, for the most yeah. part. So. I, I will add, 304 and 316 have virtually no carbon in them, so heat treating them would be pointless yeah it's completely pointless that's what he says you know you don't heat treat him i mean it's i actually made yeah. i made something i made what did i make out of 316 i made i don't remember i think it was might have been a bottle opener or something mm-hmm. i don't remember what it was and mm-hmm. yeah but it was it was after i forged it it was hard it was h-a-r-d so i didn't really have to do anything that was i don't know what the fuck i do with it what i do oh i made a uh i made a spoon that's right i made some spoons with it And they were not bending at all. I mean, after I forged them, they were not bending at all. So they were they were super hard Um, without heat treating, obviously. Uh, So Rog McKibben says, "Never." uh, He says a hot take. From now on, if you want to send a hot take, send them in the listener feedback, ladies and gentlemen, at a Knife Talk podcast on Instagram. Uh, His hot take is never sacrifice build quality. If a customer says it will only hang on the wall. Because people change their mind on a user, we had it last week. We had a question about uh, should I if I if somebody wants a knife that goes directly on the wall and it's not to be used, it's just an ornamental. Do I heat treat it and do all this stuff to make it a real knife? Uh, he says never sacrifice quality if a customer says it'll only hang on the wall because people change their mind on a user and you never know who will end up with that knife with your mark on it. It only takes one falling apart to ruin your reputation as a custom maker. Mm. Make the best Good point. And price accordingly. So, it was Rob McKibben. And then, uh, oh yeah, so you might as well answer the same question. Uh, same question was Mareko. Somebody says to you, is like, I want you to make me a knife, but it's, I'm never going to use it. I'm going to hang it on a wall. Are you giving it your go? Giving it all the bl- full blast? Or are you kind of you know cutting corners on heat treatment and sharpening? And None of that. No, mm-hmm. I'm no, no corner cutting. All right, no corner cutting. All right, there you go. Yeah. 
Kyle Heath says, Jeff has uh, was on a new level this week's episode. I was dying with, quote, work a little harder and fuck a little better. Get that dick moving. I'll never stop learning. I'll never stop learning while listening to Knife Talk. <laughs> uh, and, uh, we did have somebody sending in some logos um, with work harder, fuck better right. on as well. Yeah. Which was <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to listen to last week's episode, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want to know what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Nav says, I can't tell you how upset I am that this week's episode is not called Move That Dick Around. Uh, get better at <laughs> get better at fucking or, or work harder and fuck a little bit better. I was dying. And Brigham Kendall says, here's a new shirt idea. Work a little harder and fuck a little better. Ha, ha, ha. That made me laugh so hard. Yeah. So. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we had somebody asking for relationship advice, and that was... Yeah. That was Jeff's response. So. I see. I said it. Listen back to last week. If yeah, you know, it was good. Anybody. It was a good little. It was a, I. I. Yeah, it was a good little bit. Um, and then, um, well, a couple more anonymous hot take is uh, this one anonymous. If you don't want to make something, don't. If you put a high price on it, they may say yes, and you'll have to do it, and you'll hate it the whole time. So he says, don't make it if you don't want to make it. Yeah. If you can afford you. not to make it, don't make it. That's the key, if you can afford not to. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what you can't afford not to Thank do, you. is get your hands on some of this stuff. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! 15% off. Don't be a fool. Okay, shall we do a question or sure. two? Got tough dilemmas too. Whatever you want. Can I okay. can I add you to back to Jeff's spoon talk earlier? Yeah, sure. So um, something, even though the, there's no carbon or virtually no carbon in those materials, they will still work harden. Uh, it's just like a paperclip. A paperclip doesn't really have a lot of carbon in it, but the materials that it's made out of, if you bend them and move them around enough, um, they it'll, they'll work harden, and eventually that material will break. Um, so yeah. that's definitely something to take. Can still take into consideration um, for uh, low carbon or no carbon materials is that most of them can still work hardened in some form or fashion. Um, whether even if it's just like drilling, honestly, I don't know if you guys have tried drilling through some stuff that all of a sudden just like just the drill stops and it doesn't cut anymore. And it's because that material has work hardened uh, to a point that that drill cannot cut it. So I just want to throw that in there. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay, uh, questions. The first one's anonymous. Um, I don't quite know why it's anonymous. Um, do you make what you like making and sell it, or do you only take custom orders? Um, and he says, um, you, could you say this is anonymous? I'm not quite sure why. Um, but, I mean, the dream for everybody is to make what they want and then sell it, isn't it? Um, unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. And if somebody comes along with with a wad of money, asking you to make something custom, it, just as we just mentioned with that last bit of feedback, it's, it's difficult not to take the cash because at the end of the day, it's, it's business. Sure. Um, so, I mean, you guys, are you making what you want to sell it or are you taking custom orders? I mean, it's hard. I feel like it's hard to start out that way because yeah. like, <laughs> you could put stuff out in the world, but who the fuck are you, right? And why is anybody interested in buying your stuff? And maybe eventually, slowly, through word of mouth, you know, you can get there to where you, you, know, you can just always just make what you want and sell it but i think some of it you gotta you gotta sell your ass a little bit and take some custom orders and and then eventually get to where you have built up enough reputation or 
or whatever. Or maybe you decide all of a sudden you like, maybe you think you want to just make what you want, but then you realize you actually really like custom orders. I don't know. Maybe you're missing mm-hmm. out on the custom order game, but yeah. I think custom I mean, orders is a strong way to start for, for most folks. There's, there's another side to that, isn't it? So as, as much as I just said, it's everybody's goal to just make what they want to be able to sell it. You're not, you're probably not stretching yourself as much as you would if you had a custom order. And you're not probably learning as much because you're just doing what you already, what you already know. Sure. So there's advantages to both. You know, it's yeah. There's no hard and fast rule there. I don't think. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Custom orders of well, I mean, custom orders of. Thanks for the feedback, well, Jeff. I'm, I'm, I'm listening, <laughs> motherfuckers. I mean, what do you want from me? I'm just saying that I was going to say that custom orders have informed my decisions. Like I've hmm. really would I wouldn't have made some choices if it wasn't for some customers, and then. I look back on them and think about them, and I, I appreciated them. So I, I, I'm for it, 100% for it. And it's, you know, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, is this chicken and the egg? Like, what comes first? But, I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't make anything, and then you say, I'll make you whatever you want, people want to see you made something. So, I mean, sure, obviously yeah. you got to make something so that people can see what you can do. And then yeah. they're always yeah. going to say, I love this, but can you do it in blue? Or I love this, can you put my name on it? And I love this, but can I put a carpoon clip on it? You know, sure. it's like, you know. Well, and that's where I think we've kind of touched on starting out with uh, like a third party, like a, like our friend Abe over at Eating Tools or the like um, that can help, who acts kind of as a curator to help kind of get you a kickstart and to get people, because he has a curated page where people go to him for quality. And if you can get in with somebody like that, then, you know, you and you do work th- with them for a, to, a bit to start, then you can eventually you know, go out on your own or you can just keep working with them or whatever. I mean, I think there's value both ways. Um, but that's definitely a good way. I feel like, um, for folks to try to start too, if they can get in with a, with a gallerist of, of sorts. I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I, th- I the problem is, is, you know, these guys gotta like just start shucking and jiving. You gotta, sure. you, gotta you motherfuckers gotta, yeah, you get know, off put the, the show, put the carpet out, and and sit down and yell at people and do whatever it takes to get the ball rolling. So, yeah. all right, I'll take this next one. Is from Nathan. Uh, he says, "I'm a knife maker in DC, and have noticed that I prefer uh, prefer the way that certain knives sharpen compared to. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I gotta start this over. I'm a knife sharpener." In DC, and have noticed that I prefer the way certain knives sharpen compared to others. Assuming that I do the same grip progression and number of passes, what does what causes some knives uh, to easily? Uh, sorry, no, some knife steals to easily come off my finish finishing stone, uh, a Cerax 3K, uh, with an aggressive aid edge that easily breaks the skin of a tomato versus an edge that feels too polished and is better suited for shaving. Uh, is it knife steel, heat treatment, something else? All right, so it sounds like he's a sharpener and he's just noticing differences between the materials and isn't quite sure why. What do you guys think? What do you think, Craig? Well, he's muted. He's chasing the kids right now. He wants to go do something. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting because I've actually... Oh, sorry, I was, I, I was answering that question there for a good 15 seconds before I realized... <laughs> oh, I you're on mute. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. It's goon. Sorry. Go ahead, answer the question. Um, I was saying generally a carbon steel knife is going to be easier to sharpen. You know, the, the higher carbon content is going to be far easier to sharpen. Um, and um, 
that we've talked about this in the past. When you when you when you polish an edge too much, um, it gives a slightly different cutting feel to something that's got a bit of a bit 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 more toothy, you know. So he's talking about the skin of a tomato. Um, and quite often, I mean, it's like using a saw. When you start using a saw for the first time, getting that first sort of bite in is the difficult bit. And once you do, it'll saw easier. Um, so quite often, I find, particularly for you know, particularly for something like a tomato that has a skin, if it is too polished, it can be it can be quite difficult, unless it's like a complete and utter razor. Um, but I think knife steel is probably going to be the biggest sort of differentiating uh, differentiating factor there. For sure. Um, between yeah between those those two i mean i've been finding when i'm sharpening at the market the stainless steel knives definitely take a little bit more time to sharpen uh one because of those especially the like the large chromium carbides um but they just kind of they just grind a little bit differently um but it's again it's i agree it's with craig it's it's just there's just different steels and they cut differently um, with everything being the same, though they will just cut differently. It's, I mean, it's, we notice the same thing when we're hand sanding, right? We could use the same hand sa- sandpaper, same sand, hand sanding stick, and stuff like that. But you get two different types of steels side by side. I'm sure, Jeff, you see it when you do like whatever the, the, the 1080 uh, blades versus the 440C. The big difference in how they cut and hand sand and everything. Monster. One yeah. thing I also notice is I've stopped using the buffer on the wire edge. When mm-hmm. I finish when I finish grinding, I stopped using the buffer like a, almost two years ago, and what I noticed was I was using the buffer originally because I really wanted a very clean edge, but what I think was happening was the buffer was taking off too much of the wire edge, and mm. it almost it, it at first I thought it was making it sharper, and then I started to use on a tomato, and I started to think this is not. I'm taking some of that n- tiny, tiny micro tooth off. Like the buffer was, I thought I was doing something good, and then it was not getting me the the edge, the final edge that I wanted. So I've been actually using, I like, one of my favorite things to finish is I have a Tormac, and I use that leather strop. And that leather yeah. strop is, it takes, it. it's great as a strop. It moves around, and with a little compound, it doesn't take off too much, and it makes it much sharper. But... I think sometimes 100%. I mean, 440C is a bitch. It is a total bitch, and it's and it's we're to the point where we're we're going into you know figuring out I might be switching over to AEBL then the end of the beginning of the year just because because I might just it might help me on labor and it might help me on uh, we're doing a lot of testing. I've been made made a few knives with it, and I really like how they can come out. And Rockwell's been tight and. Everything's been very consistent, and uh, I used the I used um, I used knife engineering the the recipe, and I really liked it. And it's just and it sharpens different. It sharpens different. It's just the way it is. And I think when you get when you mm. when your hand when your hand sharpening uh, something that's real hard is going to be a lot harder to do. That's it. Yeah. When you said that you you take to sharpen, you'll take you well, you used to take it to a buffer. Were you just using a standard sort of cotton sort of mop? Uh, or were you no, I was, using a, I was using a cotton mop, and I was using a little bit of uh, compound. Right. Okay. And then I wasn't going, okay. I wasn't pushing it in real hard. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of like, I was going, I was just going light. <laughs> you got both of you, two of you. I mean, hey, you're, you're the end. one that started yeah. with the giggle. 
I mean, I had to, you know, I didn't want you to think I didn't know. I mean, that's the part of it. I mean, if you don't think I stepped in, that's what she said. You know what I'm saying? I already, you know, right. you, you needed some you sort of word or some sort jam. of code. We need some right. sort of word or code to make sure we didn't slip into it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So she said, okay. I, I will um, say uh, to add on to what Jeff was saying that uh, our our friend, Dr. Laren Thomas, on his website, thenifestealnerds.com, uh, uh, he has an article called Testing the edge retention of 48 uh, knife steels, which is very interesting. And there are some other articles that branch off from that that have some really good information regarding wear resistance and sharpening angles and all that kind of stuff that folks really should check into. Some good, yeah. good info. Get the book. Everybody get the book. Get the book. Definitely. Read the articles. You know where you can get the book? Tell Maritime us. Knife Supply. They have... Really? Yeah, Lauren sent wow. me a message saying you can get... If you can Canadians read? Oh, for fuck's sake! Oh my <laughs> God! There goes that sponsorship, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> nice talking to you, Lawrence. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't make it up. But if you go to if you go to Maritime Knife Supply, not only can you get all your abrasives and you can get all your stuff that you need, knife making supplies, all that. You can get the you can get the Laren Thomas book, Knife Engineering. And if you're in the United States, he'll send it just like he would anywhere else. So go get yourself some of that. Maritime knife supply, and if you get some, you get his belts. You get the race of belts. He gives you ten percent off on the tenth one. So, maritime knife supply. That was not me. P.S. Beforehand, I was Craig. You know the funny thing is, is you know I'll tell you something funny. I get so many messages, and a lot of it is the dynamics of this podcast, and it's the three different voices. Now, there's this always this concern that because I'm from New York. I'm supposed to be the garbage, right? And then you get away with murder, Craig, because you have this posh English accent. Everyone, and when, I tell you what, I remember when you first started Knife Talk, everyone was scared shitless because it felt like the BBC with you. <laughs> it was very BBC. It was very BBC. It, yeah, it was yeah. very BBC. And Good evening. I am joined here yeah, today. You were, by, yeah, you yeah. were totally, and, it, and you, you fucking bamboozled everybody. Because you're just as much a garbage as everybody else, but you, but you don't, you hide it, you hide it. He, he hides it behind that British accent. He hides it. I mean, he is, he's yeah. sitting, he's sitting there, is you know, eating eating hamburgers and su- sucking on a beer, and and and, t- and laughing because you guys think he's, you guys think he's a BBC. He's not. He's the same garbage as you are. The same garbage as you. That that's a, a show title for us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what else we got? Um do, 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 um kite blading tool. Um I was just listening to the newest episode and Jeff mentioned using mold uh polishing stones for helping hand finishing. I was checking them out and they seem like they could do an awesome uh they could be an awesome tool. My question is what grits and shapes would you recommend starting with, Jeff? Once again, Aaron Goff, he beat the brakes off me. He said, I don't know why you're not talking about mold polishing stones. And uh so at first, I didn't know, and I, I thought people were – and then I thought you hold them like – you know, when you get mold polishing stones, they're like four inches long, maybe like half an inch wide and like a quarter of an inch thick, and you can do them. You can, I know that shape you pretty can well. Do, yeah. I'm sure you just get the little ones. I'm sure you – well, that's what a lot of them are. <laughs> you know, a lot of them are – okay, so let me finish. <laughs> so people <laughs> think that you hold them like a uh, sanding stick, but it's not the case. You hold them like – like if you hit your finger. So it's you use the thin end and then just kind of work, work. 
I swear to God, the two of you, I don't know what happened. <laughs> you guys are trying to tell this story here. And they're great. And they're, they're great because you, you do um, not waste as much material, and it gets you to being able to use the sandpaper quicker. Um, we do definitely, especially with uh, 440C, we're really like we're starting off before we do the finish hand sanding with the mold polishing stones, and they've been really great. And in terms of the ones we use the most, we start off with 150 and go to 220, and get go to 400 and 600. Then you go you back off and go back with the uh, 220 uh, Rhino You can just get packs or assortment packs at places that you would buy things in bulk or not in bulk. And they're not pretty inexpensive. It's definitely worth giving them a try. The hard part is, is figuring out, getting comfortable holding them, because it's not like using a sanding stick. Well, and they do make uh, uh, sanding stick holders okay. uh, for those mold polishing stones. There you go. Oh, there you go. Okay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. But once you do go back to your sandpaper, there's only one sandpaper to use, and that is Rhinoet, uh, made by Indassa. Um, we all use it. It's just the best. It saves you time, and it saves you money. All the grits you could possibly think of, um, they're great. And if you go to TexasFarrisSupply.com, they've got them all there. So you fill up your, fill up your basket, take a look at everything else that they have, because they've got everything you could possibly need as a knife maker. So go take a look. Uh, TexasFarrisSupply.com. Use Knife Talk 10 at checkout and you get 10% off. What a deal. What a steal. Okay. Um, who wants to take this one from Tree Hill Custom Knives? I'll take it. Uh, Tree Hill Custom Knives asks When doing full pattern welded steel or Damascus knives without a single core steel, is there a concern or issue with uneven wear at the edge? Uh, because of the two different steels and their per, uh, respective heat treats? Or is the difference so small that it doesn't really affect anything in a real-world use situation? What do you guys think? I Good mean, question. Um, why don't you answer the and question? I don't know the why answer. Why don't you answer the question, Marego? I mean, <laughs> you were here last week. Front load you with some questions. I, I yeah. got you. I Last got you. week, Jeff purposely made sure we had the easy questions, so oh, yeah. we've loaded these back up with the more I, I, I questions wanted to make sure you came Damascus back with some related. good ones, you know? Go ahead. <laughs> Help, helping me feel like I'm, I'm pulling my weight. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I actually think that um, the knives benefit greatly uh, from the – this is just – so what he's talking about – I agree. When you're, I agree. Well, me too. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so what this guy's talking about, you make Damascus from two different types of steel. Uh, typically a typical mixture would be a 1080 and 15 and 20. And even though they are very chemically similar, uh, composition wise, uh, when they are heat treated, they are ultimately just slightly different. Um, it is, it is a very subtle difference and, um, and that does affect the performance, but I feel like it actually benefits the performance uh, in my experience um, of the knives um, over time in use. 
and between sharpenings especially it helps create a more aggressive so you start out so say you make a damascus knife you finish it it's got a great damascus pattern you sharpen it it starts out very uniform but over time in use the materials wear slightly differently um but that i've i've in my experience i feel like it actually benefits the knife and feels like it actually is holding that edge longer uh, so you can go longer between sharpenings um with my own even my own custom piece that i have at home um i actually really like it but it also ultimately comes down to what you want that knife to be used for and if it is just a general purpose going to blast through vegetables and meats and all kinds of stuff and fruits um you know it it's probably not that big of a deal that the edge isn't one piece. Um, but if you are, say, a sushi chef or where your cut is going to be part of your presentation, you do want that single core material. And that's why a lot of especially uh, like Japanese knives have a, a single or a mono steel core that's clad by the Damascus. So it still has the aesthetic and the, and the, the look of the Damascus, but along the edge, it's one p kind of steel. So then it, when it's making those very nice, very clean presentation cuts, mm, consistent, yeah, yeah, that consistency through the cut so that when they present it to you in like a beautiful piece of sashimi, you're super elated and excited to eat it makes and mash it up with your nasty teeth. Makes a, lot of, makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, even the master teeth part. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, Jeff, do we have any um, tricky dilemmas? Yes, we do. If you guys, if you, if you follow us on Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast, not our individual Instagrams, we put together your questions, we put together your dilemmas, feedback, hot takes, whatever you want. Uh, so here's some tough dilemmas, tough dilemmas. This one comes from Wolf. Heart Ironworks. Tough dilemma. I sold a knife to a guy, and after, after it was finished, uh, side note, the customer asked if the handle could be shapelier and asked if I could add a mosaic pin. I said no to both, and he bought the knife anyway. He got it and said it was his favorite in his collection and had the most comfortable handle. It had the most comfortable handle. handle. Later, the he messaged me and asked if I could tell anyone inquiring about the knife that I sold it for $500 when I really said I really sold it for $375 as he was trying <laughs> as he was trying to upsell slash trade it on the secondary market what would you say side note Ooh. I told him no again and then honesty was my business model cheers guys exactly tell him to fuck right off if he wants to give you the extra money you'll say that's what you bought it for but <laughs> that's, that's crazy. a tricky move, man. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, it's not a tricky move. The, it's a dick move. No, but the goal to ask, even. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I've heard of the opposite. You know, could you send me an invoice cheaper? So maybe my wife would see the, you know, the cheaper invoice. But not could you tell people it costs more than I'm actually paying you? Hmm. No. I mean, that's. I mean, this brings up the whole conversation about secondary markets, though, right? Because I think so, so, a, a portion of the population of people buying custom handmade knives is seeing them as some sort of investment that they can turn around and flip, basically, somewhere in the future. Hmm. Um, and I don't think I don't, I don't know why he would need to say that uh, he paid more, unless it's only been a couple days or something like that since he bought it. Um, but if he bought it even a year ago, you know, he could say, yeah, the price used to be this, but this guy's growing in popularity, blah, blah, blah. He could sell whatever kind of bullshit story he could say 
and sell mm-hmm. them and be like, yeah, now it's five hundred dollars or well, like, whatever the fuck he wants. But the to guy's say. guy knows someone will say, I like that knife. How much was it? And the knife maker is going to say, I pay, he paid. You know, this is what it cost. The then he knows he's just oh, trying to I mean, he's was, trying to head I off heard the it past. As the guy, I see. He's trying I to head it. off of the. Sorry. He's just trying to say he bought the knife from the guy. He knows he's going to sell it. He knows someone's going to ask him how much it was. And he wants the knife maker to say it was more than it actually was because they, he knows that they're not going to go to the guy who bought it. They're going to go to the guy who made it. And they go to the guy who made it, and the guy who made it say, I pay, pay, he paid 350 bucks, and, and he said, well, how come that guy said it was 500 so it's like it's tricky because he's tr- what he's yeah exactly he was trying to do is he's trying to front load it and some nonsense. There's people out there. Who do if somebody stuff. came to you and said, um, "I'm looking to buy an, one of your knives on the secondary market," if you like, you know, from from one of your customers, um, how much did they pay for it? Would you tell them anyway? Ooh, that's it's, a good no. question. None of their right business, there. is it? That's it's, a good question. That was a transaction between you and your customer. Right. Yeah, but I they don't, don't think ha- I would. But they don't have to. You don't have to. But you wouldn't say. I mean, if I was l- looking, look at this. Looks like scenario time. Looks like scenario time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna. I'll be the guy. You be. You be Craig Lockwood. Hello, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. How can Hi. You yes. Uh, I have a question. I'm in the market for a knife. From you've you've definitely rung the right guy. Okay. 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 Well, here's the question okay. I had for you. I um I'm looking for the knife. It had a it had a blue handle, and okay. I think you had it on your Instagram. And I okay. know this is, a, this is a knife I've already. Made. And okay. I know okay. that I know that this this flea bag friend of mine bought it, and I was wondering, what did he pay for it? <laughs> what do you think? What do you pay for? I need to know what he paid for this fucking guy, and I'll tell you why after you afterwards. Okay. Well, listen. It's I wouldn't want to tell you how much he paid for it, but I could make that knife for you now, a very similar knife, um, at my current prices. Um, so if you're interested, that would be five hundred, five hundred euros. Well, he, Are you here's interested? the problem. I need to know what he paid because he owes me money. And what he's planning on doing is he's planning on doing is he actually owes me five hundred dollars, and he's saying he paid five hundred dollars for the knife, and he wants to give me the knife. I just want to make sure that it's worth five hundred dollars. All I can tell you is, if I were to make that knife for you today, I would charge you five hundred dollars. Well, see, I don't trust this motherfucker because I think he's been having an eye with my sister. So oh I want to make sure. What's, what's your sister's <laughs> my, name? My, my, yeah, don't worry about my sister's name. I dare I you. I think we've all had to go on your sister. <laughs> to hey, be honest with you. <laughs> hey, you bastard. Hey, you bastard. Yeah, so I mean. I'll just put the phone back right. down. That was, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that is, that is the other side of the story. Do you, would you tell anybody anyway? And I think that's the only way you can really answer that is I could make that for you now for this cost. Now I've had a, um, I had a guy once buy a knife from me and I, somebody sent me a message saying it's on eBay right now. And I put it on the, I looked on it and he put it up for more than he paid. And I said yeah. to myself, good luck. I mean, well, I, yeah. you know, well, yeah, it's not yours. It's anymore. not mine. Good yeah, luck. It's, it's, it's up to good him. Luck. Yeah. Yeah. Give him hell. Yeah. Okay. No. I think we've got a new title for this show. We've all had a go on your No, sister. we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that, you flea bag, you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, 
it's interesting because you know there are you know knife collectors and they're they talk a big game and then they're you know they're not really they don't know what the fuck they're talking about and then they try to fleece people so mm. I would think it happens, but I like the idea of the fact the guy said, no, I'm not doing that. And the other thing is, is like, I can't remember what I'm supposed to tell, you know, what I'm supposed to do for other people. Like guy says, guy once got on my DM says, Hey, remember you were going to make that thing for me. What? What? You said you were going to, you were on Instagram live. You said you're going to make me something. What? I'm supposed to remember that. Oh, and you're supposed to tell me <laughs> that it was, I can't remember that. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Any more? Henry Hyde, good old Henry Hyde, says, "Here's a quarter-life crisis, soul-searching dilemma, akin to Jeff's question of the role of the modern-day blacksmith. What purpose do we serve as knife makers beyond supplying a tool to our customer, or are we just content creators at this point?" Oh, <laughs> uh, um, Henry Hyde. I feel like we're still knife yeah. makers. I, I mean, hopefully, we're still tool makers because otherwise. It's all sizzle and no steak, right? So let's, Yo, let's make some fucking no, tools. All sizzle, no steak. Whoa, baby. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Never heard that one before. That's a good one. I Quarter life crisis. You've got to assume this guy's in his 20s. Um, I think it's easy to get sucked into the community that's based around knife making. And the way you find that community is via the likes of Instagram and YouTube where people are sharing content. I think for every every knife maker that's on Instagram or YouTube, there's probably seventy or eighty who aren't making knives. So it's just I think that's just a part of being an everybody's still a knife maker, but that whole sort of marketing yourself via via content is just a very small part of it. And yeah, and, and as much as you know, we like to think here that we do, we sort of know the community of knife makers because we interact with so many of them. It's just a, it's just a tiny tiny shaven of you know what's really be below the surface of you know people who were just putting the work in and making knives every day but i think henry is i think he's adding the broader question of what is the role of the modern day bladesmith or knife maker right now and to me it's still passing on information to future generations like getting people interested in it keep keeps the zest for what we're actually doing alive otherwise it dies hmm. like i mean we're creating New, we're creating new content based on old content that whether you like it or not, it's kind of solidified in the psyche of our society and civilization. There you go. Right. But I, I think yeah. too, that as tool makers, like it's important that we're, what we can do versus what commercially manufacture commercially manufacturers can do uh, is that we can spend even an extra 20 minutes or upwards of an, a couple hours on a single piece that they can no way ever afford. And I think that yeah. also is what really helps our work stand apart. Um, and, and, you know, so hopefully people are, are at least making knives that, are, you know, perform at the same level as a commercially manufactured knife or better because you can take that extra time because, because of you're not and they can't then it like i said it's more it's more sizzle than steak and it and in my I guess my follow-up question would be like okay so then at what point are you kind of a con man in a way almost and that's only really i guess if you're doing it knowingly you know maybe making poor quality stuff but you got a great story so you can flip it and sell it but i don't know but in regards yeah, to being a con man there are people in their houses who have IKEA knives 
IKEA, sure. sorry for you guys up in Sweden. They have IKEA, IKEA knives that are inexpensive. Sure. They're, we, we would refer to as garbage, but they're perfectly happy making their dinner for years and years and years yeah. and years and years. So is it, is it still, I mean, where do we, where do we, I mean, riding on the, the idea of like this, you know, self-serving, self-righteous importance to something that might not be that important to other people. Mm. I, don't yeah, know. I feel I mean, like it's an integrity. It was, I feel like, I guess for me, it would be a question of integrity for me personally. If I was making a knife, like say, like my knives are fancy looking and shiny and glitzy and cool patterns, but if they can't perform for shit, like what's the fu- what's the fucking point of any of it? Other than, and mm. but sorry, but what we're saying is a lot of these cheaper knives can you know for doing. We often talk about you know you know heat treat and we go into such you know in such depth about it, but you know if we're cutting a cutting an onion, um, uh, an IKEA IKEA knife will do the job, will certainly do the right. job. Um, so I, I think going back to that whole sort of storytelling, are we, are we just content creators? I think the point, as Mareko just said, that we'll spend the extra time and do something that a factory wouldn't. And the way to justify that to an end customer is by selling the story and creating that content. Um, because, you know, performing-wise, for, for the everyday tasks, we could buy, we could buy a factory knife. So what we're trying to do with with content then is explain explain the difference the difference in the work that we'd put into it compared to a factory who's just stamping these out by the thousands a second. Yeah. I I have a story that happened this week. My kid just stopped finished working. Uh, she's getting ready to go back to school. She'd been working this summer at a bakery, and one of the things they had her do is they had her cutting onions for Bayali's. So she came home one day and she was just like. This, and this, she's a snob now because it's like knives are sharp in the house. So, so she says, they got me using this knife. It is bad. I'm crying all night. I'm crying all day. This thing is like killing me because I got to cut the bag of onions mm-hmm. and it's dull. I said, well, why don't you take one of my knives? She said, I can't do that. It's gonna, I'm going to be like teacher's pet or something. I said, well, why don't I? So then on this, you know, last week she was there. I drove her in and, and I was talking to the owners and I said, give me that knife. I hear it's dull. And they were embarrassed because it's like a you know a, a, you know a, a nothing special restaurant depot thing. And they, I said, don't worry about it. I gave it a lick on the on the the belt grinder, hit it on the hit it on the leather strop, brought it back to the shop, and it was probably a sixteen dollar knife. And they they were like, wow, this works great. I'm like, okay, you're happy, fine, congratulations. You know, yeah. it's. I agree with you yeah, about integrity, pe- pe- though. Integrity is important. You do what you say you're going to do, and you stand behind your product. Yeah, and people put value on, um, and I think it's becoming more and more um, normal for people to put value on things that they see the work going into it now. Um, we've all grown up, you know, from the 80s onwards, knowing about, you know, cheaper sort of um, Chinese, you know, mass-produced stuff. Um, and we're all aware of that, and and the you know and the cheapness of that, um, and I think we're, we're everybody's starting to see, and they, not now, but they, you know over years and years and years, people are starting to see the value of things made with care, um, and and that's what we do. And as I said, we need to we need to sh- sort of shout about that and tell our stories and make content so people can see the difference between these two knives. This one has been made with care, and this one has been. I think that we should be also seeing ourselves as a milestone in the history of knife making 
into or a stopping point of the present in regards to how knife making is progressing throughout civilization you know i think it's important i think it's important to keep doing it keep passing along the information next generation keeps doing it see what happens and i think that's the most yeah. important thing and if it's just content we're saying content now but down the line it's part of this information or look at how many people watch your videos Mareko, or watch aaron goff's or michael trolsky's all these guys that's part of the the carrying on of information that's important to civilization Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, whereas in the past, we would have, you know, excavated, you know, burial sites and found old knives and blades and things like that. And that's how we would have seen they were making. Sure. The new version of that is sticking up a YouTube video. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Should we go back sure. to questions? Okay. Leonardo Lee um, has asked, my housemate moved out a while back and among the things that he left behind was a huge pile of two millimeter... Uh, which is five sixty fourths. Fucking hell, that's ridiculous. Um, stick welding rods. I don't really like them, uh, but I refuse to get more of my regular three point two millimeter, which is an eighth of an inch uh, ones, which I uh, until I use them up. Have you guys ever put up with a rubbish tools consumables just because you had them and didn't want to get new ones? Ah, good point. Okay, consumables. Um, you know, this isn't part of your end product. This is part of the making of the product. Um, I certainly have. I've had loads of shit belts in the past, and I just like to let's just use them up. Once they're gone, yeah. they're gone. Um, yeah, it's why not? Is if it, as long as it's not a material that you're using in the product, um, and if you know that substandard, I think you know why would you be doing that? Sure. But if it's a consumable, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I actually I have uh, eighth inch bronze rod that I use occasionally. Ooh, <laughs> well, it's uh, it's brazing rod. Um, that's okay. usually used for like plumbing and shit like, or, or, or some, some welding applications. Um, but yeah, I've, I've used that in, in part of my applications, um, for accents or for, for actual pins, um, because they work, it does the job mm -hmm. and it's got the look that I'm looking for. Yeah, Jeffrey. of course. I've inherited stick rods that I that were like waterlogged, and I had to get some jobs done, and I had to move. I had to put put a lot of steel in some welds, and I used it. You know, I had a belt company send me some abrasive belts. They put the seam on the outside, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, let's see what happens." <laughs> and it was it was a sloppy situation, but uh, you know, of course, you know, sometimes <laughs> whatever port in the storm. I think know. I know what belts yeah. those are. Maybe, maybe we won't talk about it here. <laughs> Needless to say, the phone call happened. I was just like, why do you send me these weird belts with, with the seam on the outside? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> Slap me in the face every five seconds? <laughs> okay, uh, Custom Cass, who's taking that? Uh, where are you? You're running around. All right, Custom Cass says, hello, guys. My oven only goes to 1,000 cent degrees centigrade. I want to get into stainless, but all the data sheets say that I have to go up to 1,050 centigrade plus for, plus for quench. Are there any that can be heat-treated under 1,000 degrees centigrade? What the fuck is centigrade? <laughs> it's, uh, it's 1832. Let's do, let's do the math for you. Anything 1832 under, Fahrenheit. Any, anything under 1832? I think. I, think I, mean, no. I mean, you're pretty much on it, aren't you? You're pretty much there. 
Not quite, but pretty much. Um, uh, I'm not going to do a convert. I can't. You can't listen to a podcast where someone is doing conversion rates. It's just like <laughs> sucks. Yeah, it it sucks to listen to. I'm just like fucking thumbing through. Centigrade. How do you spell centigrade? I'm not doing that. I uh, listen. <laughs> you got to. You got to knock it off. You have to knock it off with the. What can I do? You know. You got to. Yeah. Do it or don't do it. I'm under the impression. Mm-hmm. I mean, 1800 degrees isn't going to get you to. Uh, 440C or AEBL. AEBL needs to be at like yep. 1950, you know, 1925, 1950. And, say, say, and that's Fahrenheit, ladies and germs, or as, uh, <laughs> as uh, Alec and Will used to call it, Freedom Height. Freedom Height. That yeah. fucking, how, how, how good did that fucking bit go? How long did the Freedom, you can get the, you know, the Freedom Height shirts are now in like some sort of yeah. third world country like those, like the championship, <laughs> oh like the championship, uh, you know, have you ever seen this is the best, the best is, you know, when two teams are on, in the Super Bowl, they have to prepare to have championship shirts ready when the game is over. So the winners have it and the losers yeah. have it. So they take all the loser ones and they ship them off because it never happened. You see little kids playing barefoot football wearing, wearing freedom height shirts. shirts. Yeah. <laughs> wearing freedom height shirts. <laughs> That's the best. Uh, That's the best, Alex. Yes. She's like, hey, Will, might as well send them down to wherever. <laughs> Goodwill. That's what it is. Right. Just, kidding. Uh, Just kidding. Okay. Okay. Well, look. Um, I need to be out of here in 10 minutes. Shall we call this a day? Let's do an after show um, because they're often fun. Right then. Thank you all very much for listening. Um, before we go, I just need people to tell, well, Mareko to tell people about his grinder. And I know it's very good. It's worth listening to. Yeah, I love my Browback grinder. It's a great grinder. It's the, I call it, I, I like, I don't know if they like it, but I like calling it the Swiss Army knife of, of, uh, of grinders um, because it is such a versatile machine. It's like it's seven or eight machines in one, honestly, um, all the way from a disc grinder and a slack belt and a surface grinder and so many things in between. Um, go check out Broadback, Broadback Iron. You, you should have had somebody else do this. I can't talk today. BroadbeckIronworks.com. <laughs> And uh, we got a couple discounts. I can't remember them off the top of my head because I've been out of it, um, partying all last week. Um, but mm. what is it? It's Knife Talk 100. Saves you 100 on... Uh, yeah, they'll save you 100 on the sharpening system and on the sewing machine that they right, do. Okay. Um, but um, Knife Talk 200 will save you $200 on any of their grinder packages. Sorry, I really needed so it's a hell of a deal. <laughs> it's a hell of a deal. Yeah, so go check them out, broadbackironworks.com. I'm also excited to be part of their booth at Maker Camp. I'm going to be in there doing a bunch of demonstrating um, and basically making a knife. We're doing my best to make a knife from start to finish uh, at Maker Camp. So come check that out if you haven't already got your tickets. Yeah, and remember, you can also buy them painted and even assembled now. There's a tiny bit of assembly to do once they arrive to you, but they're, they're basically ready to go and painted. So, yeah broadbeckironworks.com okay thank you all very much for listening it's been a fun show we shall speak to you again next week bye for now this show is brought okay fucking must sorry about that I'm being bitten I'm being bitten alive here eaten alive mosquitoes believe it or not I have an after show question (laughs) or if you want or we can just free ball it like we normally do it's up to you Okay, let's do a show. A this question, yeah. after show question comes from Thirsty Work Industries. Do you guys have any recommendations for a good culinary slash cooking TV series or a podcast that is educational? 
I enjoy cooking, but I only cook two or three meals a week. It's relatively simple meals, and I like to up my game for family as well as understand how my knife designs have an impact. Thanks. Hmm. I mean, Chef Table is pretty great. That's a hard one to beat on Netflix, right? But it's hard. That? It, yeah, but it's, it's hard to watch the, these guys. It's it's hard oh, to I like, see something with more like recipes and well, stuff like something that? to get you know they're beautiful Rachel to watch. Ray. But it's hard to it's hard to you know get creative and want to make something in the kitchen when you're watching you know guys blowing bubbles and smoke and you know, foam and all that mm. stuff. I mean, Iron Chef's pretty fun too. I don't know. It's a, I mean, techniques for me. It's all about getting solid techniques down, and then after that, it's combining different flavors. And some of the most creative stuff is happening on some of those competition shows. Honestly, like Iron Chef mm. and the like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, TV wise, I, I don't know what's like in the. I'd imagine it's the same, but in the in the UK, every evening on all the major channels, there's some sort of cookery show on. It's, sure. it's just. It's just huge TV at the moment, you know, cookery. It's just everywhere. So, um, and that's obviously, you know, um, cookery channels and all the rest of it as well. But um, it seems to be every time I turn on the TV, there's somebody cooking. Um, so there's, you know, there's there's plenty there. My my wife, we signed up to a masterclass, you know, yeah. the uh, that thing this week. Um, and there's the Gordon Ramsay one, and it's, it's got that famous clip of him trying to sharpen knives, you know. <laughs> and so I'm like, so my wife's like, I want to, I want to watch this. Actually, there's there's lots of um, cookery things on MasterChef, it's, uh, on MasterClass, sorry. Um, and she's like, I'm going to watch that Gordon Ramsay one. And I'm just like, oh fuck's sake. But um, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's loads of content out there. I mean, what I hate at the moment is all the fucking Instagram reels, you know, mm. of all you know the what, food. Though? You know what? Not, not learning yeah, it. Yeah, you're not learning anything. Yeah, but you from get good it. recipes. It's just like, it's just porn. like there are good. Mm. There are some. I mean, the cornstarch business has got to be out through the roof. Let's <laughs> get invested. <laughs> Everyone's using cornstarch, but I think that those things are really. I mean, my family and I, we all send each other videos of you know those Instagram things to for like recipe ideas. Sure. Hmm. I, in this, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. in the states, also Cooks Illustrated is a really great magazine. Um, and uh, what is it? They do have what America's Test Kitchen. America's Test Kitchen. Um, there's also Milk Street in the United States, made by uh, Christopher Kimball, who uh, originally started or used to work for America's Test Kitchen. He's got his own thing going. I honestly, I still think the Naked Chef with Jamie Oliver. There were a ton of really great mm-hmm. recipes and techniques on that show. That were very, very, very accessible, and he was never naked. Yeah, thanks, V. Yeah, except thank for the you. intro. Yeah, simple right. stuff. <laughs> simple stuff that anybody can do. Um, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I like. Yeah. Have you noticed that Jamie? Okay, Oliver, I mean, uh, what, wait, what's we got? A, you can't. You got a second? You Sorry? have a second? <laughs> oh, you I slapping on a fucking yes. mosquito? <laughs> you know how excited I get when you talk about Jamie Oliver. I was just going to say that every time he does a video, that fucking same song goes, Live to love, love to reality. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, th- that was the theme tune for one of his um, it's shows. It's like yeah. you can't pick yeah. another song, dude? Yeah, he's obviously just taking stuff from that one show at the moment. It's, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a, he's right. It's a, uh, Rekko's right. It's a, that is a, Those are good ones. Yeah. No, they are great. Yeah, I mean, talk and not food related, but whilst we're talking about podcasts, I've been heavily into uh, Criminal at the moment. It's one of the the Vox Media ones, um, and they're like half hours 
um, a story, you know, it's like a documentary almost, um, of a crime that's been committed. And it's just half an hour and they talk you, and they're all crazy ones. They talk you through the story. They're br- the one thing that I fucking hate is the Shopify adverts every like seven <laughs> minutes. Um, but they're honestly, they're really great. If you just want mindless stuff while you're working away, uh, Criminal uh, as a podcast is really good. And shout out to B. Cone Knives. He started doing an interview series on the Workboard podcast. So shout out to those guys. Are doing a, they're doing a secondary podcast where he's just doing just one-on-one. So B. Cone, oh, cool. Brian Cone's doing a nice job, and the guys from Workboard podcast. So. Yeah. They take things seriously. That is good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. They take it seriously. Hey, listen. There's a lot of podcasts out there. They're doing it, and they're not doing it, and they're in, and they're out, and mm. they're doing it. Yeah. I've got to say, our audio the last few weeks has been incredible. Yeah, to listen back in the car, you just think, "Fuck me, that sounds great." You know, compared to some of the, you know, some of the professional ones that I listen to, it's just like, "Jesus, we're yeah, we're doing well." I think I, I might as well say it. We're out, we're out with Squadcast. Squadcast's over, ladies and gentlemen. So we got a new <laughs> yes, we got a new system yeah. going on that's way easier. So yeah, way yeah. easier. I have a funny story. If you got a minute. All right. Okay. okay. So I was taking my kid to college and other colleges, and we went to one college that I, I knew because I used to go there all the time when I was a kid. And then we went, and we had a good time there. And then we went to the second college that I'd been to once before, and my kid said, oh, have you ever been to this one before? And I was thinking to myself, had I ever been to this college before? And it drummed up a memory. So my high school played a, a basketball game, and it was, a, it was a, uh, like a championship game. And the coach, his name was Mitch Sadowski, and everyone called him Suds. And he was like, kind of like a small version of like Andrew Dice Clay. And he'd come up to the street, hey, Fades, hey, Faye, let me talk to you, Faye, hey, Faye, I need a question for you. He goes, hey, Faye, I got a question for you, Faye. I need. Hey, throw the fucking ball, it was will a, ya? It wasn't, I mean, kind of like that, but I mean, it was, <laughs> that was more Oliver Twist than, than Suds is a little bit more like, hey, Faye, hey, go, hey, street rat, get over here, street rat. Call everybody street rat. He's Faye, I need you to, you tall guy, I need you for the game. I need you to wear the, the mascot uniform. You do, we wear it. And I'm just a senior in college, senior high school. I'm just like, yeah, Suds, whatever you want. I love Suds. Suds was awesome. He's like, Faye, I need you to be the, I need you to be the Panther. Okay, you can be the Panther. And like you got it, Suds. He's like, go downstairs and meet us for the for the bus and get the costume. So our our mascot was a panther, and I was psyched because I love the guys on the basketball team. We're my friends. We go to this college. I've never been there before. I get on the costume and I start running around and cheering. You know, you got a mask and you're you're a helmet or whatever it is. No one even knows who you are, and you can fuck around. And then halftime. I realized, or half, you know, whatever, it was one of the periods or whatever it was. I noticed that the tail, when you stick it between your legs <laughs> and you play with yourself, it's really funny. And I showed one of my friends, I showed one of my friends, he's just like, that's really funny. So then, I don't know what, took, what came over me, everyone gets back on the court, and I start running around, and I stick the tail between my legs. And I start to jerk off in front of everybody wearing a panther costume. And Suds goes, hey, Faye, get over here. And he goes, you fired. And he fired me. And he turns to another tall kid. He goes, hey, stick. And I'm like, hey, stick. 
Get over here. You put the costume on. Fader's fired. Is he and don't him alone. Hey, Knuckles. <laughs> get over here. <laughs> Fader, you're fired. Hey, Stick, get over here, Stick. He's over here. You're going to do that, but don't you, don't you do that again. Don't you put. He was funny. But they don't come, don't do it. Don't start jerking <laughs> off the tail. You know what I'm saying? And and then I was my end of my career. And then then I realized in my, and then I snapped back to the present. And when my daughter says, "Have you ever been to this college?" I said, "No, I never been here before in my life." <laughs> <laughs> He's still bad. Never been here before yeah. in my life. But it is a true story. And Suds was Suds said to me, "Hey, Faye, that was funny, but you can't do that with all the parents here." You know what I'm saying? I was like, "I got you, Suds. Sorry, man. I overstepped my bounds as a mascot." Tell the old tail between yeah. the legs. There you go. Happened. Yeah. Nice, nice. Morocco, what have you been watching? Anything interesting? Recently? I've been watching this uh, kind of like, I don't know, like a magical series on Netflix called Lock and Key. And it's about this haunted house kind of. With the, oh, with the E on the lock. Is yeah. it? Yes, I've, I've seen it key. coming yeah, up. It's it, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's been a good watch. That's nice. 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 Jeff, anything? I mean, no, I've been I've been listening to the Yankees, but the and now the Yankees are back. They're they're on a four game winning streak, and it's now it's exciting. And then the big hitters who uh, who are on the DL are now back, and they're over. The problem is they're on the West Coast for the next two weeks. So the games don't start till ten, which I'm not staying up until two o'clock in the morning to watch the game, listen to the game. But yeah, the Yankees fun, have been yeah. back, and it's been awesome. That Yankee game was so much fun. Oh, number two, last story is. We were at the stadium. It was Yankee fans and Mets fans. It was the, I'd never been to the Yankee stadium. It was packed. So Yankees and Mets are both New York teams. I was sitting there with my kid. I was like, this is a great. The energy was great. There was people saying, let's go Yankees. Let's go Mets. And then this dad and his son were sitting down, and this group of Mets fans were standing up in front of him. And he, the dad was a Yankee fan. He says, hey, hey, you mind sitting down? My kid and I can't see. And then he wasn't getting guys' attention, and he kept saying, "You got, hey, come on, sit down so we can see. Sit down, we can see." And then all of a sudden, the Mets fans looks over at him, and he goes, "Suck my dick!" <laughs> and, and my daughter was just like, "Oh my god, there's going to be a fight!" And I said, "I put my hand on her on her shoulder, and I said, this is the fucking best part about being New Yorker. It's the it's the fucking you welcome to being New York. That was the greatest New York moment of all time." Hey, my kid and I can't see. <laughs> Suck my dick. It was fucking awesome. It was fucking great. It was such a New York moment. I was like so proud. I said to her, I'm like, aren't you proud? This is the glory of being a New Yorker. And she goes, that was kind of terrifying. I'm like, nah, that was all right. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, are they generally friendly? There was no problems. Um, they, were beating, they were yeah. They were razzing each other. And there were some people on the, on the train back home like razzing each other. But there were no problems. I mean, it was like the right, Mets okay. took two games and then the Yankees took two games. I mean, it isn't like what happens with you people. And, you know, like hitting yeah, each other well, with tire irons when you're getting a beer. But yeah. <laughs> there were no problems. But it was funny. I mean, it was funny people just breaking each other's balls. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, okay, I need to go. Um, I'm two minutes run over. Um, but that was fun. Thank you all for listening again. Um, we'll be back next week, and I think we've got two weeks until our 250th show. Um, so we need to think of some, what we're going to uh, do. We're going to do something, do We're going to just do us. We probably won't, but we should do something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you all for listening. Um, we shall see you bright and early again next Monday morning. Don't be late. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.